What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalichi, and I'm back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all the new fellows, welcome to all the old comers. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for turning this podcast on. Thank you for playing it, and thank you for listening to my silky smooth voice. Well, it's not that silky. I ain't got that Morgan, that Morgan Freeman thing going for me. I mean, you hear Morgan Freeman on any commercial or in any movie or anything, and it's just like, man, this dude, this dude can talk. Like, I just need him to narrate all parts of my life because he will make it so much more interesting because Morgan Freeman got that voice, that beautiful, beautiful voice. My goodness, can make anything sound good. Can make anything sound good. He can make syrup dripping the most exciting thing ever just because of his voice so wonderful so wonderful but how are y'all doing today i hope y'all are doing great i hope y'all are ready for the weekend i hope y'all were able to get stuff done this week i hope y'all were able to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish if you weren't that's okay too there's always tomorrow at least that's what i tell myself and you know, just do better. Every day we get up, every single day, do better than you did yesterday. Sometimes that's the best that you can do, is be better today than you were yesterday. And that's the only way we can improve, by being better every single day. But enough of the philosoph- philosophical stuff. Man, I'm trying to talk. Enough of the philosophical stuff. Philosophical stuff. Let's get into the news today. But before we get into the news for today, just want to go back over some personal finance stuff. I hope y'all have been enjoying some of that stuff. I hope y'all have learned a thing or two about personal finances. Uh, the two things that we have talked about so far is one, make a budget. If, if there's nothing else you hear from this entire episode, please take these two things. One, make a budget and two, have an emergency fund of at least a thousand dollars if you can. Have an emergency fund of at least $1,000 because most emergencies in life can be handled for about that $1,000 range. Most, not all, but most. So with these two things, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, a lot of your stress about money goes away. A lot of your stressing about money tends to go away because you can handle more stuff. And most of the time, the things that we stress about the most in life is money. Either how do I make more money or um, how do I spend my money? We stress a lot about money. And so if you do these two things, I promise you your stress levels when it comes to finances, when it comes to money, when it comes to how do I make money, how do I spend my money, where's my money going, all that stuff, all that stress will go away, I promise you. Because you'll be able to deal with situations with a lot more clarity. When you know where your money is going, that's what the budget is about. And when you can handle emergency situations and you've created an opportunity and you've taught yourself how to save. In other words, you discipline yourself into these two things. Both of these things really teach you discipline. Budgeting is not easy. It takes time. It takes repetition until you get it to where you want it to be. And saving is one of the things that we lie about the most every single day. We lie and tell ourselves, oh yeah, I save. I save. But yet when you look at your accounts, it doesn't show for it at all. So these two things, if you can lend these two key things, creating a budget and having an emergency fund of at least $1,000, I promise you, I promise you. It's kind of like those commercials where they say like, 
it's a guarantee but if you don't like it you can get your money back and well if you don't like it you can tweet at me and say you were wrong i did the things that you said i should do and yet it didn't work well that's fine yell at me scream at me but what you will find is this actually does work it actually makes a massive difference so do these two things and i promise you your stress levels are going to decrease all of a sudden vision will be clearer because you know where you're going create a budget plan something plan like my dad says failure to plan is planning to fail that's what that does and then the emergency fund is simple it teaches you discipline and tells you that you can save and you can handle situations that come up in other words the cloud that is over your head because of all the all the things that you have to take care of that cloud gets removed and all of a sudden you can see clearer you can see the road in front of you there's no longer a fog covering up your days you know what actions you need to take enough of the personal finance that's saying that's not what this episode is about let's get down to the business topics for the day so let's start with our favorite topic to talk about almost every other week the trade war actually it's almost every week until this trade war goes away we're gonna talk about it because this is one of those things that even though it doesn't really affect you directly it's an interesting topic and i like talking about it plus i like throwing shade on trump because you know who doesn't like throwing shade on trump trump is like the ultimate target guinea pig right now like everyone loves to just take their personal shots at trump about whether it's his hair the color of his skin because the dude is brighter than an orange or any of the other things we just like to take shots at trump it's just fun it's just in good fun but really let's talk about this trade war so good news is washington and beijing have agreed to something they have agreed to hold semi-annual discussions on economic issues. Now, this is separate from a lot of the trade war. Remember, we talked about the phase one agreement that was that is to be signed. As you guys are hearing, it should already be signed. If it's not signed, we'll talk about that next week. But it should have been signed today. We'll find out that news in the morning when you guys listen to it. Just go ahead and search Google real quick. Was the phase one trade agreement signed? If it was signed, that's great news. If it wasn't signed, it means we're still where we've been for the longest time. But these semi-annual discussions that have been agreed, they have agreed to start having on economic issues is pretty much what was already implemented during the Obama and Bush administration, which Donald Trump was like, we ain't going to do that. We're just going to go to war and all this other stuff. And, you know, it ended up being a waste of time. Basically, the combination of these discussions should help end the trade war uh these discussions should help drive tensions lower because when you sit down at a table and talk to somebody like and talk to somebody to decide how are we going to fix this issue rather than yelling across a whole border across multiple oceans multiple seas at the other party problems can actually be fixed when you actually sit down and talk as anybody in a relationship knows, just yelling at somebody or just stomping out of the house or just doing anything like that, it doesn't solve the issue. Have you ever had a fight with your friend? Guess what never solves the issue? You stomping off and saying, I ain't talking to you no more and just being all whatever with that person. No, it doesn't solve the issue. The only thing that solves the issue is both of y'all sitting down and discussing what the problem was in the first place, driving and solving those issues. And that's what the U.S. and China is finally doing, which this was done in the past. As we saw, as I said earlier, it was done in the past. And Donald Trump said, no, that's not how I want to deal with it. And he brought a machine gun when they were trying to sit down and talk. 
That's not how you solve a problem. Shooting at somebody does not solve the problem. Have a discussion. So now what does this mean that China and the U.S.? The main question everyone is asking is what does it mean that China and the U.S. are coming back to the table to talk? It means that the trade war was a waste of time, basically. That the last three years with the trade war have been a complete and total waste of time because neither party got what they expected to get out of it. First of all, it was initiated by the U.S. So the U.S., by all standards and by all critiques, has not really gotten what they wanted. What did the U.S. want? A lot of what the U.S. wanted was to deal with the patent infringement that China and the intellectual property that China has has stolen over the years, they didn't deal with that in any of the deals that they've made so far. They also wanted to make sure that China was not um, getting a bigger hand in a lot of these different deals. That didn't happen either. And so, and China just didn't want to be disrespected. That didn't happen either. So both parties, nothing got clarified during this trade war. At the end of the day, it became a war of attrition. And most of the time, the people who pay for war of attrition Thank God it didn't get to this point. But most of the time, when a war becomes a war of attrition, the only people who suffer it are the citizens of the nations that are at war. In wars like these, no one comes out a winner. Both sides just return, licking their wounds and hoping that the other side has worse wounds than they do. And that's what how they say, I'm the winner. But in reality, nobody won this war. Nobody won this war. Because if you look at it, China had a major pork shortage like we talked about before. They've run out of of pork and pork is so low that they had no choice but to come to the table and come and agree to something. To come to the table and say, hey, can we make a deal? And on the other side, the U.S. was having issues with their soy market. And if you know anything about the soy farms and soy market, one of the biggest buyers of soy is China. And so both parties need each other. The thing is like US and China actually need each other. It's kind of like how Samsung and Apple work together. If you didn't know, the screens on your iPhones are created by Samsung. However, comma, Samsung and they depend on each other, but still they fight all the time. I mean, remember the lawsuit of how Apple said that Samsung infringed on Apple's patents and all this stuff and they were fighting back and forth even though in the background they were still ordering Samsung display panels so they needed each other but yet they were still bickering so it's the same way US and China need each other US and China depend on each other if either one of those things falters or falls apart too much the rest of the world there's a global trade issue that comes out of that because these are the two largest economies in the world and so you can't run the rest of the world a lot of the technologies a lot of the farming a lot of the products come from these two nations and so they depend on each other and so what happened china had to open up its borders to allow importation of pork and the u.s had to subsidize so many farmers they were bleed the u.s was bleeding money because it was subsidizing so many farmers i think it was upwards of almost close to a billion dollars that was spent on subsidizing farmers because guess what farmers had to do they had to destroy crops because guess what they didn't have any place to store it and plus they also had they didn't have anybody to sell it to and so at the end of the day guess what they had to do they had the government had to give them some money while the government was waging his war against china so in the end it turned out to be a war of attrition that no one really wins or no one really won out of this thing just because they're now coming to the table to talk and have the discussion doesn't mean that 
everything just kind of settles down and they come together and start singing Kumbaya and everything is good and dandy and everybody's happy again and everything just goes back to the status quo. No, there's never been a war that has ever been fought or any kind of issue of discrepancies or or arguments or anything where things go back to being status quo. It never happens that way. For example, China started finding other people to supply them with soy. They went to Brazil and Brazil started being their number one buyer or seller for soy. That's what happens. That's that's how you, you new routes, new trade routes have been formed from this. In other words, those farmers that needed subsidies are probably still going to need subsidies moving forward. This is not going to play out like a Disney movie. It's not going to have a happy ending at the end of everyone celebrates and jumps up and down and sings together and they sing that one song and you know it goes to the black screen and it says the end. No. We still don't know what the effects of this trade war is going to be on global trade. As we keep dealing with it each and every single day, then we're going to see what the real fallout is. It's kind of like after World War II, this is Future Kalichi and I meant World War One, not World War II. It was the deadly, devastating war of all time and yet we're still feeling the fallout of that war today. I mean shortly after that war we had the Great Depression and so we think about that, we look at that and we say, how is this trade war going to have a ripple effect? Because it didn't just affect the US and China, it affected Europe so much so that Europe went into a period of recession because Europe is an exporter. And when boundaries started getting closed off, when people started putting all kinds of tariffs on things, all of a sudden Europe started was not able to export as much goods. And so they had a problem, they had an issue and that affected their economy. It's affected so many different places, more places than not. Some places in good ways and other places in negative ways. And so we haven't seen the last effects of this trade war. Technically, according to a lot of experts with China and the US coming to the table to have these regular discussions, it means that the trade war is kind of over. However, we don't know exactly what the lasting effects will be. Will the US be able to become the number one supplier of soy to China again? I doubt it. Because China became, began to get better prices and being more reliant on, uh, on sellers from South America, especially Brazil. So everyone started building new relationships. I mean, think about the manufacturers that left China and began to manufacture in Taiwan, began to manufacture in India, began to manufacture in all kinds of other locations to avoid the tariffs. To make up for the fact that, oh look, we, we can't take on this cost, so let's find other manufacturers. That's jobs that's leaving China. That's money, economic development that's leaving China. As a matter of fact, there was a report that just came out that the Chinese economy, for the first time in over two decades, is shrinking. That has never happened before, and that's part of the problem with a trade war. When you go to war, if you're not ready for all the circumstances that's going to play out of it, if you're not ready to deal with the issues, don't do it. And I don't think either country actually thought out th how this would affect them fully. We know how the U.S. thought with President Trump and saying that he was going to do all this stuff and force China to do all this stuff and bring the jobs back, the jobs that nobody wanted, but bring those jobs back and all this stuff that he said he was going to do. Guess what? He ain't done none of that stuff. Guess why? Because companies were still not going to pay that price. That's way too expensive to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. Labor cost in the U.S. is way too expensive. And plus, there are other suppliers of labor. 
So they were not bringing those jobs back. But anyway, that's beside the point. The main thing to get out of that is we are moving towards the end of the trade war. At the very least, phase one of the agreement has been signed. Hopefully, when you listen to this and do your Google research, it has been signed. But the key note also is the fact that don't expect a phase two. There's still over, still over 360 billion worth of Chinese goods that are still under lock and key of tariffs. So don't expect another part of this phase, this trade war deal to go through until at least the end of the elections next year. If nothing else, 2021. That's how long it's going to take before any of this thing is, is clarified because you know elections are coming up. Therefore, Trump is going to try and push that. Look at what I did with this phase one agreement and push that he actually beat China. That's just how you, you run thing. You run your propaganda and you make yourself look good. Moving on from that, let's talk about something interesting. Who runs the world? Banks. Oh, wait. That's not how that song goes. But anyway, the banks just had their earnings report this week. And by banks, I mean the five big banks. Wells Fargo, Citigroup, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Bank of America. Those are the big five when it comes to banks. Most loans come from those five banks. Most uh, anything that is done is usually routed some way or another through those five banks. And just like we did last time, we will talk about them. Anything that happens with the bank has a ripple effect that affects everything else. Even subsidiaries, smaller banks are affected by the decisions of these large banks because the decisions they make affects everybody else, whether it's in a good way or in a bad way. Either way, it affects everybody because these banks have absorbed so many of these, so many other banks that they have, they hold most of the money that is available for consumers and for and for businesses in the United States. So, going into their earnings, they all did amazingly well with their earnings from last year, at least the uh, the fourth quarter of last year. They all did amazingly well, minus Wells Fargo, because in 2018, if you guys remember, Wells Fargo had that mortgage issue, and they still have this. They had a bunch of law cases, lawsuits all that stuff. So because of all those law cases and because of the cost of all those lawyer fees and everything, they didn't have the profit that they wanted. They didn't really report great profits, but you can see why they have issues to deal with. They have a lot of law paperwork to go spend on and all that stuff. But everybody else though, everybody did well, but none did as good as JP Morgan. JP Morgan had the best year in the history of banking period. JP Morgan had a profit growth of 21%. Now that profit growth was powered by you. If you use a Chase credit card, you helped JP Morgan make a whole lot of money last year. Their new Chase Sapphire card that everybody likes to swipe. They just be swiping credit cards. People really swipe them things. The, the American public loves their credit cards and they made most of their money thanks to you. So shout out to you for lining the pockets of JP Morgan. Ain't you proud? But yeah, basically that's what powered JP Morgan to have some of one of the best years ever. Also, they did really well because of bond trading. Now, remember last year we talked about bonds a little bit. And what are bonds? Bonds are basically companies selling off their debt. Remember last year the interest rate was cut twice by the uh, Federal Reserve. So 
at that point it is a good time to sell debt in other words you can get you can sell debt and not have to repay it at a high at a, at a much of a premium and so a lot of people were buying a lot of bonds of companies a lot of companies were also buying back bonds so we talked about how Disney bought back a bunch of bonds we talked about how Apple was buying back a bunch of their bonds so a lot of that bond trading, that trading market, JP Morgan was able to take a lot of profit from that, was able to make a lot of money from that. Now, they aren't the only ones that do bond trading, but they were the ones that made the most amount of money doing bond trading. And last year was a good year for bonds because, like we said, whenever interest rate is cut by the Federal Reserve, that's when companies are like, okay, you know what, let's buy some of our debt back at a lower rate and let's sell some more bonds out to some people at a lower rate. It costs us less. A lot of people want to invest in that because as we talked about last year, bonds are the first things. If a company goes under, they have to pay back those that they owe bonds to. Anyway, moving on from that, you know, everybody's on this whole new year, new me. We're still in January, so everybody's still trying to get fit. Everybody is still trying to eat right. I think that's going to last for, I think, another, i say another 18 days before most people start tripping up. The gyms are way too packed. Like, I go to the gym and everybody's like, yeah, new year, new me. They're on the treadmill going hard. New year, new me. I'll go get this buddy fit this year. New year, new me. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to da-da-da-da-da. Everybody be making New Year's resolution. Come right about mid-February. Everybody's out. They're like, people drop off right about the end of January. Then mid-February, most people are gone. And then March, the gym starts looking like how it used to look, where I can get in there, get my work in done. I ain't got to wait for nobody because ain't nobody in the gym anymore. But not only do people make resolutions, but companies make resolutions as well. So the largest asset manager in the world, BlackRock, announced that climate change is a part of their, their strategy moving forward. So for a lot of companies, the 2020s, this new decade, new year, new me, new decade means I want to be more climate sensitive. I want to pay attention to the environment like we've been talking about with all the different issues. We're seeing earthquakes rock, which prayers out to everybody in Puerto Rico, prayers out to those in Australia with all the fires that's going on down there and Puerto Rico dealing with all kinds of um all kinds of earthquake and then plus we're seeing volcanoes that have not erupted in years all of a sudden are erupting like what is going on all these things so companies are all of a sudden like ah, maybe we should start paying attention to this stuff and one of the ways that is going to force companies to pay attention is through companies like blackrock or firms like blackrock now why is it important that when blackrock comes out and says we are going to pay attention to climate change and climate control why should we care that one random no-name company like BlackRock is coming out. Well, the reason why is because BlackRock, like I said, controls over controls the world's largest amount of assets. What do I mean by assets? They control about $7 trillion of, of the world's investment money. In other words, they determine what companies get invested into. They control a lot of money as to how a company can grow or how a company gets shrunk down. So what does that mean for companies? It means that if they don't focus on doing what the things that BlackRock has asked them to do, they're not going to invest in, in, in those companies. So how is BlackRock going to do this? They're going to do this by two things, by doing two things. They said that they will vote against any company or any board or management that failed to account for the climate risk of whatever it is that they're doing, whatever kind of business that you have, 
How are you accounting for the climate risk? How are you accounting for the fact that you might be polluting the atmosphere? How are you correcting for that? And then two, make progress on the sustainability plans that you have set in place. We have heard it so many different times where companies will come out and make this promise, make this declaration, say this is what we're going to do and we're going to make a greener earth and all this other stuff. And then it ends up being all for nothing because they don't make any movement on it. The year deadline that they set because it's not attached to anything comes and goes. Everybody's looking at them. They're like, well, we didn't actually say we're going to do it. We promised to do it. And promise is not binding in any way, shape or form. It's just the word of the company. Sure, they lose faith for a little bit, but they're still going to be making money. So now in order to get those investment dollars that, you know, every company wants, because who doesn't want free money to invest and make your company better? They're going to try and act right. BlackRock also joined the Climate Action 100 Plus group, which is a group of investors committed to the environment. And this group of investors is a large number of investors. It means that companies really, really have to pay attention. They have to pay attention to where uh, to how they're answering these questions, because a lot of investment funds are now focusing more and more and more on how to invest their dollars in more climate sensitive issues because like i said the public cares and now that the public cares so much so that blackrock actually got picketed last year to not do business anymore with fossil fuel companies they said no they implemented this instead which is a softer step for them because guess what companies still like to make money they only just want to throw the investment out just to throw it out because they want uh, money back on that investment but you can be a good company but if you don't care about the climate BlackRock is likely to vote against you. And not to be outdone by any company in the United States of America, the European Union came out with its own New Year New Me statement. The, the EU announced that they're allocating $1 trillion towards, radiant, uh, towards moving the continent, the European continent, towards the goal of carbon neutrality by 2050. What does this mean? They're going to use the money, this money, to help countries that are dependent on fossil fuels to become greener, to find other energy sources like nuclear or renewable sources, depending on what works better for that con that country. So these are the two new year, new me goals that has been set out by a huge investment firm and by the European Union. Hopefully we start seeing some stride. Now the important, something to note and something to really look for, look for whenever these kind of announcements are made, Know the difference between carbon zero versus carbon neutrality. Like we said, the EU announced carbon neutrality by 2050. There's a big difference between carbon neutral versus carbon zero. Most people hear that and they're like, oh, so no more carbon pollution. No, it means they're going to counteract their carbon pollution or they're just going to buy carbon credits. I think we talked about it once here in the past. Carbon credits basically is just a way to offset the amount of pollution that they're putting into the atmosphere without actually doing anything about the amount of pollution that they're putting in the atmosphere versus carbon zero means they are not adding any more pollutants to the atmosphere. So that's just something to note as you, as more and more of these uh, greener goals and uh, promises are made over the years and how they're saying it. The terminology matters. What kind of terms they're using matters. Also look for if they attach money or deadlines or requirements to any of these promises they make a lot of times when they make promises it's a very vague 
very vague green goal that they set for themselves because there's really no government agency that's enforcing it especially now in the u.s when 90 percent of those agents 90 percent of the uh laws that were put into place by the epa with this new um administration in power have been gutted so there's not really anything that's really forcing companies to do something one way or the other so now companies are taking it upon themselves and as i know the last time i checked companies tend to care more about making money and in increasing their returns than they do about being green so a lot of times a lot of these green efforts are a lot of wild ideas and hopeful ideas with no real consequence or no real attachment to anything hopefully we see something better so yeah new year new everyone if you chose a new year's revolution resolution keep at it do what you can do your best at it keep at it stay strong so yeah just a quick recap of everything that we've talked about today we started off going talking about personal finance two things make a budget and get an emergency fund it will make your life a whole lot easier if you get these two things done and do it as fast as you can learn how to budget make an emergency fund and then the first thing we talked about we talked about the trade war coming to an end hopefully we talked about how the trade war has been pointless because both parties have just bled a bunch of money and it has affected the global trade but thankfully hopefully we're getting the phase one agreement signed today when you listen to this it should already be signed and then the third second thing we talked about or rather the third thing we talked about was the banks their earnings report they gave us their earnings report and JP Morgan made a bunch of money because we still love credit cards and then the third thing we talked about was the new year new me resolutions by so many by a major firm by a major investment firm and also by the European Union but I hope y'all learned something today I hope y'all enjoyed what I talked about and I hope y'all will come back again when we have another one of these on Tuesday but until then Share the podcast. Hit me up on Instagram at Kelechi Iwaba. And that's all I got for y'all this week. God bless each and every single one of y'all. Enjoy your weekend. Have a little fun. And I'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace.